Hey everyone, welcome to Spin Radio. We are glad to have you with us. We are back after a couple weeks off. Allison is, I think, back from the dead. Are you? Uh, Hi. Are you feeling better? Yes, I am back from the dead. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, I know you were sick for a little while, a few days, but before that, you were working on Cat in the Hat, I which was. was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Thanks um, for coming. Yeah, my uh, my almost three year old Eli loved it. He actually asked if he could go back and see it again. I feel like a horrible parent because I didn't get like two sets of tickets to go twice. So. Well, you're in luck because I think we're going to do, do it, it every again. year. Yeah, I think yeah. we're going to do it again next year. So I told him next year we get to go to Cat in the Hat. So uh, awesome. Yeah. So we missed you. So well, I'm glad to good be to back. Have you back. Yeah. So uh, we have a great show today, I think, because we're going to talk a little bit about data and specifically our obsession with data. So I'm going to pick your brain a little bit today. And uh, I see also in the uh, channel where we put our notes for the show, you've got something about Snapchat. I kind of glossed over when I saw it because, you know, Snapchat. But I do? I think you put something in there. It was from three weeks ago when you used to do the show with me, remember? Back in the day when we used to do the show together. Uh, uh, I think it was something about the, was it the Kylie Jenner thing. That was you. That was me? Yeah. Oh, was it me? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is Michael Reynolds. In one tweet, Kylie Jenner wiped out one Oh, that's right. Dollars. Actually, because a client sent that to us. One of our yes. clients sent that to us. And because they heard us talk about Snapchat, and so they sent it to us saying we could. Okay, so that, yes. that does ring a bell. So we I ha- certainly talk about I haven't that. actually read it because I was, they'll put it there for you. So I'm guessing you haven't read it either. Oh, so. no, I've, well, I haven't read this particular article, but I have read others. But you others. know the thing? Yes, I know the okay. story. I'm quite familiar with this story. So you can tell me about the thing? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. well, we'll get to that. Anyway, so today I would love to talk to you a little bit about... Everything okay, Nathan? Oh, <laughs> that's because I'm on Forbes, and Forbes likes to play videos automatically. I've got an article open referencing today's episode, so thanks, Nathan, for pointing that out. <laughs> Nathan's on the board, as always. The ever-reliable Nathan, thank you. So... Actually, I did silence my phone. Oh, it is on silent. Look at that. My phone is on silent. It's a banner day, you guys. I know. You're well- welcome back, Allison. I'm trying to Thanks. trying to run a tight show here for today, even though we're already That's kind of... That's the only reason I came back. <laughs> so, so um, I think you actually brought this topic up for me a while back. Oh, I'm sure I probably was on some sort of soapbox. I think you did. I love the soapbox because you were talking to me about how marketers... First of all, we know marketers ruin everything, right? Mm-hmm. Fact. But in this case... Marketers have ruined it for everybody because marketers have been telling everyone over and over that everything can be measured and everything should be measured, right? Yes. Is that what we've been hearing for so long? Yes, that is accurate. <laughs> Fact. <laughs> Fact. That was very Dwight Schrute. So, and I guess I'm wondering why why do we think we can measure everything? Is it because with the the prevalence of technology now, we have tools we didn't used to have back in the day. We can measure things like clicks and conversions and all the things that you can do with technology. Is that kind of why we get so obsessed with it now? Well, I think that um, that people have aligned no value to things that you can't measure. So basically that the value in marketing comes from things that you can measure, and that's mm-hmm. not always necessarily the case. Right, because we're used to being able to measure all the stuff you can look at in a spreadsheet, right? Like the a big one is obviously you know website traffic, uh, click through rates, conversion rates, uh, the ever present ROI conversation. Yes, right? you kind of roll your eyes every time I we talk about ROI, don't you? Yeah, because I don't think <laughs> that any way you do it, it doesn't matter how you spin it. It never, it's never an accurate number. And when people ask for ROI, I don't think they actually know what they're asking for. <laughs> so. 
So, so ROI is sometimes measurable, but you're right. I think people go way too far with obsessing over measuring things to the point where they don't do things that could have an impact just because they're not easy to measure. Is that fair? I think that's fair. And I yes. think actually uh, you were referencing a source. I think you were talking about maybe something on that Moz was talking about. I didn't find the source actually that you were maybe referencing, but I also, uh, there was an article from uh, on Forbes. I saw that kind of aligned with this and the title is actually how an obsession, obsession with data ruined influencer marketing. And it was specific to influencer marketing, but the premise is very similar to what we're talking about here. They basically say that people are so obsessed with measurement that it keeps them from doing things that would have value but are difficult to measure. And those things that that mindset keeps people from actually doing things that have an impact. And so I want to kind of pick your brain a little bit today and get your opinion, Allison, on what sorts of things you can measure and what sorts of things you are very difficult to measure and kind of what value you, you assign to those things and whether or not we should be doing those things. So what are some examples of things we can measure? We'll start with the easy one. Website traffic. Yeah, website traffic. Um, Click-through rates, as we've already talked about, <laughs> conversion rates. Right. Um, I mean, you can I mean, you can measure Facebook page likes, Facebook page engagement. I mean, you can measure... Basically, I mean, you really can measure. You can measure anything. stuff that doesn't matter too, right? Like, like you mentioned, likes. Oh yeah, like Facebook page yeah. likes. Nobody cares. <laughs> sorry. Well, boardrooms seem to care. Yeah, um, but like, there. I'm sorry, boardrooms, but you are wrong. There, I said it. <laughs> I like sassy Allison, who's back from being sick. Who's like, I just don't care. <laughs> so you're right. I, I I was actually talking about this. Uh, actually, it comes up over and over when talking to our clients sometimes because we're talking to the marketer who then has to answer to a board or a set of bosses or something and. We're always asking, what's the measure of success? And a lot of times they say things like, well, our, you know, my boss wants to see a lot of page likes, or they keep asking about that. And I mean, that's not really important, especially right now when organic or organic reach on, on Facebook, for example, is, is not, not what it used to be. So likes don't really help you. So, uh, lead generation, obviously that's something you can measure, which is uh, pretty useful. So yes. number of contacts in your database, right? You can mm -hmm. measure how many contacts are, entering your database, how many leads you're generating and where those leads are coming from, right? Mm -hmm. so that's useful. E email, open rates, click-through rates, bounce rates. I mean, you really can apply a number, theoretically speaking, to m most marketing actions that mm -hmm. we take. I mean, even things like billboards, I mean, you can get the the data from, you know, the Dep Department of Transportation mm -hmm. as far as how many cars are expected to drive past billboards. I mean, you can right. get a number. The question is, you know, how accurate is that number? Yeah. And then how can you kind of tie that back? So we've talked about, uh, you mentioned earlier about how I always kind of roll my eyes at ROI. And this is exactly why, because we have, now we have all of these numbers that we can measure that we theoretically speaking can measure, but it's so difficult sometimes to tie everything back to a perfect, uh, a perfect line of how they came in or how somebody found us. So, an example could be, um, let's say you're running an AdWords campaign, and that AdWords campaign is running, but instead of clicking on the ad, that user clicks on the organic reach, but they took that ad into consideration when they um, when they clicked on the the organic listing instead of the ad. Well, now, that's been that proven. Correct. That's been proven that AdWords actually, I think, raises the click-through rate of organic search by 7% or something. And, so and you can't actually tell. You what, can't yeah, tell you that. You can't measure that part you of it. You cannot measure that part of it. And so... 
Does that mean that AdWords aren't successful? No, I don't think so. I think that makes it really successful. Mm -hmm. If people are going to see that and then click through to your site and then make their purchase or, you know, fill out the contact form, whatever you're whatever you're trying to get them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's v- extremely valuable, even though you can't tie a direct sale back to it. Well, I think a lot of marketers try to turn the, the term brand awareness into a dirty word because they say, oh, well, brand awareness isn't measurable. And that's a really good example of brand awareness being very effective, even if it's not measurable. Fact. <laughs> Well, I mean, here's the thing. Like, our podcast is a perfect example of brand awareness, I think. I mean, it's really difficult to track how our clients come in, if they come in through through the podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, But we know that they do because they tell us. So we at least have that data. But again, it's not perfect data. And we've gotten leads and sales through our podcast. Yes. Yeah. And we can't we can't draw that line on a spreadsheet or have a nice fancy report saying, you know, this episode led to this lead, which led to this sale. We can't do that. There's just no no way we can do that right now or unless even, we ask them, you know, to their face like, hey, well, which episode did you listen to? What did you I mean, it's impossible to dig into that story uh, without going overboard. Yeah. I mean, it, it could even lead to speaking engagements and then that speaking engagement might lead to a prospect yeah. and then that prospect comes in you know, and, and potentially closes a sale. I think that this, I think it's the same thing for video. We don't do a ton of video ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, that's partially my fault because I have a lot of anxiety around video. <laughs> Everybody I does. See, I can see Michael like staring at me. Well, you know, I'm not obsessed with video really either. I'm obsessed with podcasting, <laughs> but I'm not really like video is fine. I think it's useful, but I don't get as excited about video as I do about podcasting. So that's a whole different story though. So, but I mean, video could be the same thing. So you can measure the number of watches and the number of views, how many people get to a certain point. I mean, you can, you can measure click-throughs at the end of the video if you've got a certain call to action. Um, you know, if you've got some, some type of discount code. I mean, you can measure all of this stuff, but it still, it's not, nothing's perfect. And so that's the big thing with data is that a lot of people want to treat the data as it being perfect. And it should be, I mean, pretty close to it. Relatively speaking, I mean, I trust Google Analytics that it's going to be, obviously, there's probably a margin of error in there in Mm -hmm. some capacity uh, because it's data. But I think everybody just treats, wants to treat everything so like with such perfection that Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily always telling the story. And so here they have these numbers. And if you don't know how to tell that story to a boardroom or if you don't know how to tell the story to your supervisor, to your boss in a way that gets you more money to spend on more marketing then that's where the data comes. I think that's where it's almost a detriment because if somebody's just looking at raw numbers and they don't understand what they're looking at, then they could mm-hmm. slash a budget, and that's not necessarily the case. This or reminds me of happening. Yeah, this reminds me. I think it was maybe three years ago. When did we do the inbound marketing bar camp here? Was it three years ago? Years Almost ago? two and a half years ago. Yeah, if you're, okay. So two or three years ago, yeah. we we did an event here, which we'll probably never do again because events are really hard. <laughs> but we did it. Unless we hire a full team for it, that yeah. was my stipulation. That's true. It? We have to hire an event planner. So, but we did an event here, and one of these speakers was uh, was it Jen um, Jen from DK New Media at the time. She was she has her own company now. But oh, Lisak. Lisak. Um, was it her? Or was it? Uh, yeah, I think it was her. Maybe that spoke on this. Uh, oh no, it was maybe Doug. Actually, Doug spoke on this, um, this path that people take when they make decisions on buying. And uh, I, I, the example is not going to be completely accurate, but it was something to the effect of, you know, the a very common path people take toward a transaction is they will do a Google search. They'll find information. They'll read your website on Google and they'll go away. 
then they will ask their Amazon Echo for information or reviews about a product or something. They'll ask the, you know, they'll ask an audio device about that. Then they will maybe see a Facebook ad about it and remember that they had bookmarked something to go read about it. They'll go do that. Maybe they'll click on AdWords campaign and fill out some, you know, a free trial thing and go get that. And they'll forget about it for two months. And then they will have some other interaction somewhere else that reminds them to go to your website directly as direct traffic and buy this thing because their friend mentioned it. So all these different things led up to this purchase or this transaction or this sale. But how much of it can we measure? Like very little of it, right? Very little of it. We can measure, you know, this person or this contact might have filled out a form over here. And maybe that's something we can tie back to the sale. But the rest of it, we can't. We can't measure because it's just part of this path that is not connected or not integrated uh, with what we're doing. But it's very real, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you can get, I think, more of an insight if you're using like a marketing automation software. But that person still has to be in your database in order for you to get all of that information and to track all of those details. So if that person, you know, doesn't convert for three or four weeks Mm -hmm. and they're, you know, doing all of those other interactions and, and taking all of those other measures... Um, you can't always you can't always measure those back. Yeah. Now the funny thing is, we pride ourselves on being very data driven. I know you love data, so we're not oh, anti data at all. Oh yeah. But it, don't take this as me being anti data yeah. because that's not the case. It's just so how do we use the data though? So I think that a lot of times that marketers um, sometimes we get intimidated. I know I can be intimidated sometimes. People can be <laughs> scary. Um, we get intimidated <laughs> really easily. Um, I like how you're laughing at me rude <laughs> not true <laughs> um so we can get really intimidated especially when we've got supervisors and when we've got bosses that are you know kind of breathing down our neck to get us data to get it you know prove prove how this is going to work and we we may not necessarily be able to um we may not be able to necessarily say with a definitive answer when we're asking for money for something uh you know is it going to work or how it's going to work because I, as with you, Michael has heard me say this a lot, marketing, just like every other business initiative that we do, is a risk. And sometimes, yeah, we I are, love that. sometimes we are going to have to do some scary things that may not make sense in the moment. But if we don't try it, we'll never know. And Here's so, the thing. People will take out a huge loan to buy a piece of equipment or build a facility or hire people, but they won't spend a little bit of money on marketing. Correct. That's me crazy. Oh, it, yes. I can, that's a whole topic. That's for a huge risk, day. right? Yeah. It's a whole topic <laughs> for another day. But um, so what I think is just as powerful as the data is the conviction in which you come behind it. So if you feel like something is going to be really good for the for your company and for the revenue, because uh, at the end of the day, everybody wants revenue, right? Or donations or ticket sales, whatever we're, we're going for, if we're in the nonprofit world. Everybody wants something. So if we can figure out a way or if we can, you know, start to hypothesize and, you know, maybe attach the scientific method that we all learned, you know, in the sixth and seventh grade, attach the scientific method to something and put your hypothesis together and say, you know, based on X, Y, Z factors, I think this is going to happen. I think that's just as powerful as having the raw data there. Because at the end of the day, the the data that you, the data that you're probably going to get for just from researching again is going to be generalized data. And I've had this conversation before that you can benchmark yourself in the industry all you want, 
but nothing is as powerful as benchmarking against yourself um because that i think like the real competition to like drive to be better can be driven within the company itself versus you know what you know do you want to be average in the industry or do you want to be the bomb plus powerful because what do we tell our kids like don't compare yourself to others yeah don't exactly (laughs) you're only competing with yourself (laughs) blessed um and we forget things when we grow up don't we we sure do (laughs) and so i mean i I know I personally don't want to be average. I would like to be the bomb. Sure. So uh, I think that it is more powerful to take the data, have it be a part of the tool set that you use in order to achieve what it is you're trying to achieve um, instead of having it be the main driver. Now, I know there are probably people out there like Christopher Penn that are probably rolling their eyes at me because he's what a data scientist. What are we calling? What are we calling? Yeah, data people? scientist. Data scientist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, he actually came to our... Uh, digital mastermind group a couple mm-hmm. years ago and he was advocating that you know agencies should hire a data scientist position just for this and that's when i i mean i'm sure michael probably saw me at some point sitting back there kind of like rolling my eyes a little bit at it because that's where i think like data goes too far sometimes and so um which he made a good point that you shouldn't always go things like if if there's data available don't go off of your gut um but i think that there's a healthy balance there i mean i think the point here is don't don't let lack of data stop you from doing something that may have significant impact. Yep. That's really the the takeaway that I I keep coming back to, and that's the the soapbox I I am on because you're right, data is valuable, and we should use data whenever we can. But I just hate to see when you know a business owner or a marketer or a board or somebody who is in charge of you know writing the checks to make a decision on this thing they say or they have this mindset of oh because we don't have data proving this will work, we're not going to do it. That is, that's what keeps you average. Fact. <laughs> All right. No further addition. Thank, to that thanks comment. for humoring my uh, um, my my conversation on on data. So uh, uh, there's a couple things else we want to move to here. I think you had something. Or again, we we've established I posted this Snapchat thing. So do you, tell me about um, switching gears. Tell Excuse me about me. the Snapchat <laughs> thing with Kylie Jenner. What what's going on? I didn't even read it. Okay. <laughs> so basically, a couple of weeks ago. Kylie Jenner. Well, first off, Kylie Jenner had a baby, so that was like the big news. Um, and then she question, posted. Who is yes. Kylie Jenner? Are you serious? Right I, I'm kind of serious. I don't know. Okay, uh, do I've heard the who, name. Okay. Do you know who the Kardashians are? I do know the Kardashians. Okay, yes. Okay. So Kylie Jenner. Is, I know you're obsessed with the Kardashians. Ka- Ka- obsessed is a strong word. <laughs> um, Kylie Jenner is um, their younger sister. Okay. Youngest. So sister. she is a Kardashian. She is a of the kardashian family she herself is not a kardashian but they are technically half sisters okay um so she has uh um she's got her own cosmetic line she recently had a baby and she posted on twitter uh, a couple weeks ago and basically said is it just me or, or does nobody else open snapchat anymore like that was all she said was it was like, it, ah, I just, I just, that does kind of sound familiar now. Yeah. I okay. just don't open Snapchat was basically what she said. And within the next day, um, basically the, the snap market value kind of tanked a little bit. <laughs> That's awesome. Because I this love goes that. back to that influencer marketing though. Yeah? I mean, yeah. um, you know, people will go and interact where they want to interact. And if people don't, if they, if they can get that same interaction elsewhere, then, I mean, what's the point? And I will say, I mean, I, I've, I think a lot of those reality stars, um, they drive a lot of that 
Snapchat kind of uh, news fodder anyways. Now, I don't use Snapchat for that purpose. I use it as a communication tool. We've gone over this before. So I think that that's probably going to be where Snapchat is going to have to start remessaging itself. Either that or it's going to have to figure out a way to get itself out of this mess that it got got itself into. Do you still use Snapchat, though? Mm -hmm. I do. As much as before? Mm, Yeah, because I use it as a communication tool. Yeah, it's more like texting for you. It is, I just use texting, but you use Snapchat to make funny faces and unicorn ears or whatever. No, I don't even (laughs) use filters that much. It's just just easier for me. I mean, I do, and it's like, you know, when I'm being stupid, but um, it's just easier for me to uh, send videos that way. Well, thanks. Shout out to our client who sent that our way. So thanks for uh, giving us more uh, fodder to to discuss about Snapchat. I'm still not sold. I, I haven't opened Snapchat in maybe six months, longer probably. I was going to say, he, but again, I am not the target only, audience. You also only ever opened it when I sent a snap. So yeah. And you never send me snaps anymore. Cause no. you just don't bother. <laughs> Cause I know you hate it. <laughs> That's true. I hate actually so, opening the app to get see a message. Yeah, it so just makes me mad. I'm not going to send you my funny snaps anymore. <laughs> if they're they really were, good, go ahead and send. Which they were really funny. You guys, they were pretty funny. Thank you. All right. So, uh, anything else on your list today? I don't think so. So I wanted to announce uh, there's some stuff happening here at the company I wanted to kind of um, mention. So we got a couple things coming up. One of them has already happened. I was going to mention the IBO, um, kind of split off the oh, IBO podcast, sure. because I know we have some agencies that listen to our show. Thank you. Thank you, agencies. Uh, so some of you are already clients of IBO, but so we have a division. We had a division of our company called Inbound Back Office uh, that was part of SpinWeb for a while. And we have since separated that into its own company. So we're very excited about that. It's actually grown to the point where it made sense to kind of launch it as its own entity. So it is a brand new company. As of March 1st, there is a brand new inbound back office company that stands on its own. Uh, I am a part owner in the new company. Uh, Amy, who has been with our team for a while, is the other uh, other partner in the company. And so it is its own um, little startup. And it's not really a startup because it's been around for a while, kind of in its current form, but um, anyway, it's split off into its own company. It's going to keep growing. It's growing all the time. We get um, new agencies jumping on board all the time. Uh, so it is a virtual, um, basically, it's, it's a team of virtual assistants for marketing agencies. So, you know, if you're a marketing agency and you need someone to do SEO work, content work for you, social media work, uh, AdWords, um, sales support, uh, calendar management, all sorts of things, uh, billing and collections work, all sorts of back office kind of functions for marketing agencies, we have a team to support all of those things for you. So, Check it out, inboundbackoffice.com. And Amy is running an awesome podcast for inboundbackoffice.com. So if you like podcasts, and I know you do because you're listening here, uh, check out Inbound Back Office on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher uh, or just the website. It's on the homepage there. And every week, Amy interviews a new agency owner and kind of picks their brain on a topic that they have expertise in. And there is some really good stuff. This week, actually, John Jance is the featured guest on the show. Uh, from Duct Tape Marketing. Uh, I've got some really uh, additional, very uh, powerful and smart guests coming up as well. Pretty well-known guests that you probably would hear about. So uh, check it out. Uh, We'd love to have you uh, listen to that one and subscribe as well. Anything you would add? I don't think so. I really do love that podcast, though. Yeah, she does a great job. Yeah, Amy's like a natural interviewer. She does an awesome job. So uh, it's very, very good. I I find myself listening to it all the time and getting lots of tidbits and and advice. Really powerful. All right. Well, thank you, Allison. Again, welcome back. Glad thank you're you. feeling better. Um, we should be back on schedule now, so uh, I think we'll be back next week. Are you here next week? I am here. Okay. Next week. <laughs> no more. No more theater productions. Nope. All right. Cool. 
Well, thank you everyone for listening as always. Uh, reminder, uh, you can find us on the web at spinweb.net. Spinweb is a digital agency. Uh, we host the show for you. So if you need help with uh, any website solutions or digital marketing engagements, that's what we do. Uh, so check us out there and we will see you next time. Thanks. <laughs>